Welcome to the conversation. I'm your host today, Anna Kasparian, because I am super excited to have a conversation with a colleague of mine, Director of Content Distribution here at TYT, Aaron Wysocki, who is an incredible person, a mild-mannered individual, and someone who went to Woodstock 99. And that's what this conversation will be about. I wanna hear all the stories. I wanna know what it was like to be there on the ground. And if you've been watching The Young Turks or the show I host on Jacobin called Weekends, you know that I've been obsessed absolutely obsessed with that HBO documentary Woodstock 99. So Aaron, thank you for taking the time to be with us. I mean, you'd be with us anyway, you literally work for TYT. But I'm glad that we get to have this conversation, it's gonna be great. Thanks, yeah, happy to be here. So I didn't know anything about Woodstock 99 until that documentary was recommended to me by Bart Kyle and also our stage manager, Craig. And what was shocking to me was the fact that you of all people decided to go to Woodstock 99. So <laughs> let me just give a quick overview. It ended in riots, it ended in like massive fires on the on the grounds. It was held in a military base, a naval base, I believe. And it just ended with complete and utter disaster. And when you look at the looting and rioting that took place, and you also consider that Aaron Wysocki happens to be one of the most mild-mannered people I've ever known, it's kind of shocking you went. So let's start from the very beginning, Aaron. Why did you and your friends decide to go to Woodstock 99? Wow, okay, so it was, I had just turned 18. It was the summer after I graduated. And you know, it seemed like a cool adventure, kind of like a way of the last hurrah before I moved out to Pittsburgh and life and responsibilities hit me. So, and there was a chartered bus that came from the town that I lived in. So it was really easy to get there, which made it, made it a lot, a much easier choice to make. So it seemed like an adventure, you're thinking it could be a lot of fun. And to be sure, music festivals tend to be a lot of fun. Were there any musical artists that you were really looking forward to watching? You know, the, the lineup mostly consisted of some new metal bands. There were, there were some women sprinkled in, specifically three women, Alanis Morissette, Jewel, and Sheryl Crow. But who were you looking forward to seeing the most? Oh yeah, I was a fan of all of that new metal stuff. I still am, uh, maybe I should be embarrassed by that, but I still am. Uh, Saturday Night lineup was the was the big draw for me because you had Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine and Metallica like all in a row. And I had never seen Rage Against the Machine, so I was really excited about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a bunch of acts that were really great that I was looking forward to seeing. And so we're looking at a list of acts for all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Are these the notes that you took yourself? Yeah, yeah, and I underlined the bands that I saw, which might be hard to see there. But yeah, I mean, there were so many bands that I was looking forward to seeing. Rage was definitely at the top of the list, though. I love it, and and don't feel bad about enjoying the music that we're talking about because I actually went back and started listening to Limp Bizkit again. And I like it more today than I did when I was in high school. I don't know what that says about me, I don't even care. But it was therapeutic listening to Limp Biscuit while going on my morning run. I ran faster for a longer period of time and I felt like it was therapy. But anyway, so let's, let's talk about what you experienced beginning with day one. So there were already 
some red flags on Friday, right? So people show up, it's being held in a military base that is not grassy and lush like you typically expect at a music festival. What were your thoughts when you first entered the grounds? I mean, it was chaos before we even walked in. Right at the security gate, it went bananas. I mean, there was nudity before we even walked in. The security checkpoint was just, I mean, they weren't checking anything. It was very unorganized and kind of chaotic from the minute we got there. From the minute we got off the bus, it was very clear that it was gonna be disorganized. But I was just so excited to be there that you know, I didn't really pay attention to that stuff. I was just, we, we got in there as quick as we could. We put our tent down and went to the stage as fast as we could. So you guys decided that the appropriate accommodations would be a tent on yeah. this military base where the music festival was being held. <laughs> there wasn't any other choice, really. You had to sleep in a tent. Uh, yeah, I don't think there really was anywhere else to stay. So this is in obviously 1999. We're looking at an image that you shared with us from the Wysocki archives. And it's in Rome, New York in July of 1999. So can you just talk about what the weather conditions were like? Oh, It was so hot. But first, my, my buddy that's in that picture, that's not me. My buddy that's in that picture wanted me to make it very clear that that's a cigar, not anything else. <laughs> and that is our tent in the open area. I think they called it the open meadow camping ground there. So yeah, um, I'm sorry, what was your... What? So, so you show up, uh, you guys have pitched your tent. You already see that it's pretty disorganized. Uh, it's incredibly hot. What else happened on Friday that might give people a sense that things are not gonna end well during this festival? Well, again, it was very poorly organized and it was it was impossible to find where you put the tent down. Um, you know, the, the bathroom situation was a mess from the jump. Like it was really gross from the get-go. You very quickly realize everything is super expensive. The water, the famous $4 a bottle of water uh, that's been talked about a lot was clear right from the jump. Um, so it was just, it was really hot. It was in the, it was an Air Force base actually. So there was like a lot of asphalt, which made it even hotter. And it just took forever to get from one stage to the other. So all of that was clear right, right away. Okay, great. So you cited the bathroom issue, the water bottle issue. We're gonna get to that in just a second. But what really stood out to me and why I love that documentary so much, other than the nostalgic component to it, you know, the music was stuff that was popular when I was in school. So it, it that appealed to me. But what also appealed to me were the multiple themes that you can kind of pick out simultaneously. And the, the theme that stood out to me the most was that of exploitation, right? So we're talking about a music festival where people rightly want to feel a sense of community and celebrate and enjoy music. And it's turned into a commodity, right? It's turned into something to commodify and, and profit off of. And you see that play out in so many different planning elements for the festival, right? And certainly the water situation and the toilet situation happens to be an example of that. So can you talk to me a little bit about what went wrong with the porta potties that were provided for the festival goers? I mean, it was just, 
they weren't clean, not even close to clean. I mean, it had looked like they had been there forever by the time we got there on Friday. Wow. So, I mean, it was just, they were really, really bad. It was unusable. I didn't shower once. I didn't see the showers. I don't remember even using the porta potties, which I was there for a whole weekend. So I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, and that's a picture of the water. So you can see that cement thing kind of right behind my head. That's when they talk about when the organizers talk about water being available, there was basically water shooting out of that thing. And that was the water that was available. So I mean, it was really, really gross right from the jump. So let's put that picture back up because um, your eyes are not lying to you. Uh, You see that cement barrel thing with water shooting up and it's right next to the overflowing porta potties because the, and there's trash everywhere. The organizers did not think to, you know, arrange pumping of the porta potties. So they were overflowing. There was raw sewage everywhere as a result. In fact, some of the raw sewage, it was reported, made its way into the area where the tents were. Did you have an experience with that? Um, Not in the tent area. We weren't really in the tent that much. I mean, you try to avoid it if you could find it, (laughs) which was difficult. Um, You really, I was really only there for a couple hours and in and out. The the mud was just, I mean, all over walking from one stage to another. And one thing that I do remember is the answer to the mud was to throw sheets of plywood over the top of it. Um, So yeah, it was, you could see. It was it was just everywhere. It really was everywhere. And I don't <laughs> I didn't think it was anything other than mud, but looking back on it, yeah, it was all over the bathroom area. It was it was really gross. So once you're dealing with the untenable bathroom situation, <laughs> are you at a point where you're thinking, maybe I want to go home? Maybe I'm not into this. Or were you just this rebellious 18 year old Aaron Wysocki who's like, yo, I'm here to see Rage Against the Machine. What's a little raw sewage? What's a little raw sewage? Well, what were you thinking? Yeah, again, I was just so excited to be there and to be there with all those people. It was just like a crazy event that I knew would be kind of like a once in a lifetime thing. So I mean, even after the riots, like I still I think it was a great experience. My friend I went with said it was a great experience that he'd do over again in a minute. Wow. So you just look, you just look past the bad stuff. Uh, you know, the, the bathroom situation anyway. <laughs> so we're talking about um, a terrible situation with the free water, right? Uh, it's not really that accessible. There were there were even um, you know people showering in those concrete barrels that were shooting the water, which made it impossible to actually drink that water. You have the terrible toilet situation. And then they were selling $4 bottles of water for anyone who was willing to pay for it. And people weren't willing to pay for it because think about it, it's 1999. If you adjust for inflation, that's about 650 for a 16 ounce bottle of water. So it's hot. You don't have these lush green grounds because it's on a military base. Water is hard to come by, there's raw sewage everywhere. So understandably, some of these festival goers were feeling a little grumpy, you know, feeling a little heated, both physically and mentally. And so things started to kind of go off the rails on Saturday. Talk about your experience that day. 
Yeah, so you know, I think that's a common misconception that things started going off the rails on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So Limp Biscuit had a infamous set where Fred Durst got a little bit crazy, but that's what Limp Biscuit did. That was their show. So, you know, I I don't think things started on Saturday. I mean, people were grumpy and it was hot and there was a lot of that, but that was from Friday. You know, things really started going bad on Saturday. And Saturday when the sun started going down is when it got really bad. Not so much on Saturday. Okay, so what happened on Saturday? What was your personal experience on that day? On Sunday or Saturday? Saturday. The last day. On Saturday, Saturday was a really great day, just kind of jam packed full of bands. You know, I slipped in the mud and my foot went about a foot down oh <laughs> into the mud on Saturday. I saw a lot of really great bands. The one memory I have is my buddy crowd surfed into the crowd and we lost each other. So I was by myself for most of the day on Saturday um, and there wasn't cell phones. So I mean, you're lost by yourself, you're kind of just lost. So I just kind of had to wait until late, late Saturday night to find my buddy again. Uh, that's a picture of him crowd surfing it. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, into the middle of the crowd, yeah. So I mean, my memories of Saturday night were, you know, seeing Rage Against the Machine and that, and really loving that and, and my friend crowd surfing and uh, the mud. Um, and just seeing a lot of really great bands. Like it didn't feel dangerous or anything like that on Saturday. That's incredible. It's really incredible. Like it's incredible that like the dominant narrative is that, oh, Saturday during Limp Biscuit's set, like that's when things really unraveled. There was violence and it was dangerous. But here you have Aaron Waisaki who's like, it was great. I had a good time. I had a good, were you moshing? No, no, I have never understood the appeal of a mosh pit. That's uh, no, that's not my thing. The you know one thing that I really wanted to mention though is you know this thing Sunday night was so crazy, and it's clear after um, listening to a really great podcast called Break Stuff from the Ringer, which is really great, and having been there and watched the the documentary on HBO. That there, there was a very laissez-faire kind of attitude around the, the from the organizers from the jump. Like in '69, there was a pretty infamous event with an electrical wire that was crazy, and they just kind of let it happen and let it, you know, got lucky that it didn't turn much worse. And you know, there was very little security in '69, so like it was clear that the organizers kind of like, you know, they were very laid back about certain things, and I think it just got out of control. Definitely. One of the things that they were laid back about was security itself. And they relied heavily on volunteer security guards. And essentially they were like, look, you come here, work as a security guard and you get free entrance. You don't get pay, I mean, we're capitalists, but like, you know, you get free entrance to the to the music festival. So, so what was it like dealing with security or what was your experience with security on the ground? Um, yeah, go ahead. I never saw security. <laughs> I didn't even know there was security there. <laughs> I didn't see one police officer. I didn't see any security the entire time. And I, you know, I, I crowd surfed at one point, but not to the front of the stage. And that's really where the only security people I saw were there in the front of the stage. You were crowd surfing, so were um, unnamed men uh, groping you and grabbing your breasts <laughs> uh, during your. Oh. No, 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 yeah, that and that's actually the biggest. Not especially now that I'm older. That's the most disappointing thing. And having watched that documentary, is like I remember thinking this is very unsafe for women here, and there was a lot of men there. 
So, um, so talk about that because um, and that's that happened to the women there was just shameful. It's absolutely disgusting. I mean, one of the organizers continues to blame the women who were yeah. sexually abused during this festival. There, there are countless videos, some of which you can see in the Woodstock 99 documentary, where women are crowd surfing and they're being groped just in plain sight, right? So. Okay, talk a little bit more about what it was like for women there, because you have some, you know, unique perspective on that that I think is important for the audience to hear about. I mean, it was just it was overwhelmingly white male, and the, the few women I saw there were, you know, it, not in good situations. So on the very last day when the riots started and we decided to leave. My friend and I were back at the tent and we're trying to like grab our stuff as quick as we can to get out of there. And a very young girl came over to the tent. She was half naked, like clearly very upset. And and we asked her what was going on. And she said somebody had grabbed her tent with all of her stuff, all of her clothes, all of her money, everything she had was in the tent, and they had just tossed it into the fire. So you know that was just kind of a small. Example of kind of what I saw over and over and over again for for women there. It was very unsafe for them. And so um, she asked you guys for help. How did you guys respond? You know, we left our tent there. We left our sleeping bag there. At that point, I I don't think I had any money left. I think I went with like a hundred dollars, so I was out. But so we just kind of left everything there and said she could have whatever we had there. So this is what I I wonder about. Um, because I think maybe a few months ago, if I had heard these stories, I would naively assume that there would be good guys there who would intervene, you know, and help protect some of the women who were being abused there. Did you experience any of that, or was it just kind of a free for all? Uh, up until Sunday night, it was a free for all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sunday night. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like stories about violence and stuff. But I didn't really see violence against people aside from like stuff, people's stuff. But it felt the worst was Sunday night. But you know, leading up to that, women were outnumbered by far for sure. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of a free for all for sure. All right, so let's get into Sunday where things really got under control and set the scene for us, okay? Where were you? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling? And what happened? Yeah, so I have very vivid memories of Sunday night. So we, the last kind of band that we were going to see was Red Hot Chili Peppers. I remember Flea being completely naked on stage, which was shocking to see. <laughs> and then they play, we were sort of further back, kind of by, I don't know what they're called, but they had a bunch of like really big towers that were set up. And so we were kind of further back by one of the towers on the right hand side of the stage. And I remember looking over and seeing one of the really big bonfires. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were more getting started um, kind of around the area. And uh, and Red Hot Chili Peppers played Fire, which was kind of like their last big song there. And I looked at my buddy and I said, let's let's get out of here. Let's get really? out of here because we didn't. Yeah, I mean, it was the fires were starting and it was getting there was too many of them for me to feel safe. So that um, was the moment that did it for you. It's Sunday night, you're starting to see fire everywhere. And you're like, oh, I think now it's time to go. 
Yeah. Yeah, and then as we were walking back, you know, I don't I don't remember exactly when it happened, but it was we found out that like police were called in, National Guard were being called in. And I was just sort of like, let's get our stuff and go to the bus area as quick as we can because I wasn't afraid for my safety. I was afraid of getting left there. That's mm-hmm. the thing I was afraid afraid of there. Right, because they don't, I mean, this is 1999, people don't have cell phones. If you lose a friend, as you mentioned, you might not see them until the end of the night. And so if you had gotten lost, would you have a difficult time getting back home? Was that what you were concerned oh, yeah. about? No, I had no money. I had, you know, I had not, I wasn't, yeah, that was my primary concern. And in fact, it was so unorganized that, you know, we rushed back to the tent, we got our stuff, like got out of there. And the bus area was like, there was no one there helping anyone. And, you know, we didn't know where to go. So I remember grabbing a piece of cardboard and writing the name of the company that had chartered the bus on it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the bus area to find our bus to get back. And luckily we had found our bus. Somebody had recognized the name of the car and we just happened to find our bus. But on the bus afterwards, people were talking about people that we had left there. Wow, wow. So yeah. did you see anyone um, like physically injured uh, either from being in the mosh pits or from the riots that occurred on Sunday? Um. No, I saw a lot of people like really like exhausted and like you know there was in one of the in the documentary there was a a couple pictures of people like underneath the semi trucks and I remember seeing that. Um, But I I don't think I saw anyone injured. Everyone was just really hot and really tired. It's amazing. Aaron, uh, I could talk to you about this forever, but unfortunately we're out of time. Thank you for sharing this story with us. Uh, I think it's important to hear from people who are actually there on the ground. You know, Sometimes documentaries might um, exaggerate things or sensationalize things. Um, but I do think that you know, based on the conversations I've had, you're right in stating that things really started to get bad on Sunday. Um, but the lack of organizing things to make sure people are safe, that was front and center from the beginning. And one final question for you, what do you think was at the heart of that? I think they were trying to make money. I think they didn't make money on the first two and they thought this is our chance to make some money mm-hmm. off of this off of this brand. That's really what it was at the end of the day. All right, Aaron Waisaki, the director of content distribution here at TYT and a fan of New Metal who attended <laughs> Woodstock 99. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us about it. Well, thank you.